more than a hollowed-out boulder, and it was named Panoply. So small was the scale of the problem that at first it was believed that fewer than a hundred prefects would be needed. Eventually, after some resistance, their numbers were permitted to rise to just below a thousand. They were given vehicles, monitoring instruments, some limited forms of enforcement. One prefect for every ten worlds, one prefect for every hundred thousand citizens. It did not seem sufficient, but it was, and for decades the prefects went about their work almost without attention. They were never liked, never welcomed, but they were very rarely required to use the powers at their disposal. When they did, it was always as a last resort. But then the time had come when the prefects had to do something terrible. To save the glitter band, it had been necessary to kill part of it. Chapter 1 Late that evening, high in the shell house, just before drowsiness snatched him to unconsciousness, he stirred from his bed and moved to the window. Fingers of orange and russet light played through the shutters, accompanied by a distant crackling and hissing that rose and fell in tide-like waves. Cautiously, struck by some faint sense of impropriety, he opened the shutters on the glassless window and took a breath. The evening air flooded his lungs, sooty with combustion products. He coughed, a sudden human sound that seemed louder than it had any right to be, and then stifled any further coughing with his hand. Across the grounds, far from the shell house, but still within the family dome, on the edge of Chasm City, something was on fire. He watched it, mesmerized and troubled. There was a glow, concentrated in a small area, and hemmed in by a darker mass of trees and vegetation that obscured the heart of the fire. Above the conflagration, the dome panels reflected the glow in dusky variations of the same orange tones he had seen through the shutter. If there was a fire in the grounds, but no, he thought, there was no danger of such a thing taking hold and spreading. Automatic sprinkler systems would cut in long before the flames posed any risk to the shell house itself, and besides, his father would have programmed Lurcher to detect fire and take immediate action to extinguish it. The only curious thing was that the robot had not already done so. Then he caught a movement above the tree line, silhouetted against the glow, a metallic arm sweeping into view before returning to concealment. Puzzled, Certain of what he had seen, but not understanding its significance, he watched and watched, while slowly drawing the shutters, until he peered out through a single, furtive slit. Presently the glow grew less intense. The crackles and hisses ebbed to silence. The smells faded, as the air in the dome was subjected to its usual circulation and filtering process. Still, he observed, certain the evening's mystery was not over. He did not have long to wait. Lurcher emerged from the dense cover of the inner part of the gardens. The robot strolled nonchalantly, silver legs scissoring, two of its four silver arms swinging. In the other pair it carried buckets of tools, as it often did when attending to its gardening chores. From the domed head at the top of its tall, slender body, a single eye stared ahead with unblinking focus. His instinct was to retreat further back into his darkened room, but if the robot detected that its nocturnal activities were being witnessed, it gave no indication. 
What was left of the glow guttered out. A red reflection lingered on the dome, fading until only his imagination insisted there was still a trace of it. The fire was out. The thing, whatever it was that had been set alight and allowed to burn, had been consumed. He closed the shutters fully and returned to bed. Under the sheets he coughed the last traces of smoke from his lungs. It was not long before the drowsiness took its hold of him, properly this time, vengefully almost, but in the last moments of clear consciousness a distinct certainty formed in his mind. A white tree had stood where the fire had been. A dead white tree, hollow to the core, in which he had once liked to play. Talia Eng would have preferred not to have an audience while she worked. That was not the way it was happening, though. A small party of civic functionaries were in attendance, watching in a loose semicircle while she completed.